BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, Redheads. We are back together hitting you with the Redheads Book Club. We've got all Redheads on deck in studio. It's been about four months since we've gotten the girls together to record an episode of the Redheads. Hey guys, how's everyone doing? Hello. Hey. You guys, we could talk over each other. I know. I, know. I, know. I, like, so weird. I don't like change. I miss my computer. My oh my God. Isolation. I'll never look at my computer again if given the choice. This is amazing. I don't miss Zoom for one second. Those were some tough times. I mean, watch how next month we have to do Zoom again, but I'm glad that we can at least do one episode together. How's everyone feeling? Snitch, let's start with you. It's been a crazy week for you. Do you want to share with the class? Yes, I got a puppy, Magnolia, which is why if I'm like a little checked out on this podcast because she hasn't peed all day and now Claudia is walking her and I just like need to know if she's peed. So like I have to check my phone, but um, we're fabulous, quite tired, but she is just a pure soul and so well-mannered and just so calm and everything I've ever wanted. And update, she peed. <laughs> oh my god, yay! So now you can like give your now I can give my all. Yeah, you can give your all. I can to the give podcast. my all. I'm glad to hear it. Bex, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I came into the city because I'm quarantined outside of the city, so it feels really nice to be back. Um, I think this week I found out that I'm working from home until next year, like late next year, as in a year from right now, yeah. and therefore it's just been somewhat troubling on the mind body soul but I'm working through it and I'm just happy to be with you guys would you ever like get a co-working space like a desk once that's like back up and running so it would feel like you're at an office yeah it's called being at the morning toast headquarters oh, okay everyone okay. can come work here Fabulous. yeah like it I mean that that is my little area I'm excited okay. about it good to know <laughs> perfect anytime Dana how are you I'm great um Oh, my fiance's sister had a baby today. So I'm an aunt again. I know, I literally forgot about it until just now, but I'm excited. (laughs) It's number seven, so I'm an aunt to literally seven, six nephews and one niece. So that's a crazy update. Um, But otherwise, business as usual. And you're wearing your Invisalign. I'm wearing my Invisalign for month like five now. I can hear it. For everyone with misophonia. She's wearing Invisalign. Yeah. yeah. I have really redone my face. I have Invisalign and I got LASIK and I'm hoping to come out of this a better woman, but that would imply that I need to like maybe take a walk around the block every once in a while. But everything else. Everything's coming up. On track. Love to see it. Well, you chose this month's book and wow. I mean, the amount of different opinions, different reviews I've read about this book, there is so much to talk about. Obviously, the book itself is extremely intense and there's 
so much to talk about, but so many conversations surrounding this book and the author. There's been a lot of controversy, honestly, and I've read up on it as much as I can. I don't know if everyone else is familiar, so I'll mm-hmm. fill you in on the drama. It's book drama. Oh, I'm not familiar. Oh my God, major book drama. Like it was chosen for Oprah's book club and Oprah dropped the book. Yeah. Wow. Honestly, like I get it because not I, for no. the reasons that you think. Oh, but we'll get into it. It's it, but it's not what we're gonna leave. Why'd she drop it? It's dra- it's drama a la American Dirt. If you're familiar with that it's drama. Book drama. Yeah. Like plagiarism. Like sort of. It's, that's how it started. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I actually I think that where everyone landed on the controversy was that this author had every right to write this book, and. I actually was glad to read up on all of it because when I was reading the book at first, because she wrote in the beginning of the book, like, this is not a true story. This is not based on on real people. So I t- took that in with me going into the book. And when I started to read it, I'm like, who would, who would make something like this up? Who would make this up out of nowhere? Like, this is so intense and, and, and painful. Right. And then after I read the book, I learned more about the author. And she's been writing this book for 20 years, like in every MFA program, PhD program. She's been workshopping this book. She started writing it when she was 15. And it's based on her experiences with older men. So while she is not Vanessa and this did not happen, you know, copy paste to her, it is based on a lot of her experiences. And that has shaped like the narrative and the questions and I think that that's important to know going into it. That but, actually is interesting. But to the know. author also won't explicitly come out and say this happened to me, and it, it starts to be like life imitates art because that's what starts to happen in the book, where she won't come out and say this happened to me, and so we need to be able to accept her story without her feeling like she needs to share beyond what she's comfortable sharing. That's a very interesting point, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's get into the book. I'll do a quick summary of this book, though. There is nothing quick about it. By the way, if you didn't read the book, um, the book is largely about sexual assault, and we just want to issue a trigger warning if you're listening to this and you did not know that. Um, Also, if you read the book, just know we will be bringing up a lot of the instances of sexual assault. So this book is about a girl named Vanessa, uh, who at the start, it goes back and forth between um, when she's 15 and when she's 32. And when she's 15, she engages in a inappropriate relationship with a teacher at her boarding school. And she's very much like groomed and manipulated by this man. And she doesn't see at the time why what's going on is, is, is so messed up and why it's so m- only his fault, you know. And you see as the book progresses how this situation affects the rest of her life. And then with the coming of the Me Too movement, she is po- posed with these questions again about what happened and if she wants to come forward. And it's just about her journey with grappling with what happened to her back when she was at boarding school. Let's start with what we did or did not like about it. What did everyone think about the book in general? Dana, let's start with you because it was your choice. I loved it. Um, that's not to be confused with me condoning the subject matter, but I thought it was a really great book. I think I measure books on how much I like think about it after and the mm-hmm. degree to which it impacts me, and I could not stop thinking about this book. It's been described as a book hangover in our Redheads Facebook Club, which I love the terminology because it's so accurate. And what I think made this book stand apart from all the other literature that was swept up in the Me Too movement is that usually you have not a textbook because every case is different, but a kind of victim versus perpetrator and the victim eventually comes to light and she has clarity on what happened. And in this book, that never really happened. She Mm -hmm. had moments of clarity, but then she quickly backed down from that and was more engaged in this defense mechanism mentality of she's not a victim, this was consensual, and that made it 
frustrating to read because at times you wanted to shake her and just tell her it's not her fault, but it was also intriguing because it was a perspective that I don't think we're as used to in this topic. Yeah, I agree. I I thought it was really powerful how not everything was so cut and dry. And at the end of it, I think we all know how we feel about the situation, but throughout it, she really leaves these open-ended questions and we'll it's it's so hard to pinpoint I think there's a quote in the book where um she addresses this but it's so hard to pinpoint like at what point the line is like she says one time and sorry to get so deep into it but I feel like it's apt she said months ago I wrote about how different it was with Henry that I wouldn't be taken advantage of this time that difference feels too subtle to locate I need someone to show me the line that's supposed to separate 27 years older from 13 years teacher from professor criminal from socially acceptable or maybe I'm supposed to encompass the difference here years past my 18th birthday I'm fair game now a consenting adult like at what the the difference between even Henry and we know his wife being his student versus Strain and Vanessa like it's so different but it's a similar template yeah but like that difference is so important Mm -hmm. I highlighted that passage too because I feel like that just encompassed the whole book for like in one sentence like it was so poignant of just like she just didn't see like she didn't see that like the difference I guess or like what the whole I don't know. She didn't see where the line was and that he had crossed it. Yeah, or that there was a line. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Honestly, I didn't didn't either, but I was confused a little too with Henry. I was like, is he hitting on her? Is this okay? I I was like, oh my God, who am I? I don't know the line. We need to talk about Henry when we get into it because I do have a lot of questions and maybe someone can illuminate for me. Snitch, what did you think about the book? (sighs) I mean... This is just, like, not my kind of book, like, by any means. It was not what I was expecting. It took me forever to read it just because, like, um, I don't really like to read books that heavy. I don't like to read books that dark. And I felt like I was intruding on someone else's, like, diary, and I just didn't want to be there. But I appreciated the book, and I thought it was very well written. I actually thought found it so interesting to really, like, be there for like the whole manipulation part like to see how someone really could be manipulated Mm -hmm. like that and it was so specific and so detailed that I got it so that was really intriguing like would I recommend this book like absolutely fucking not (laughs) okay you would not no I I actually would recommend this book I think that the questions that it leaves you with and, and my takeaway from it when I first started reading it I was kind of like scared of it and I was scared of the, about the fact that we were going to have to talk about like this really difficult subject matter on a podcast. But by the end of it, like I felt so much better off for having read it. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like I, I felt like I had a much deeper understanding of the trauma that that one person can go through and how it can affect you for the rest of your life unless you take the really hard and necessary steps to turn things around. And I also think you cross into dangerous territory when you don't when you say do not read this book like when you advise someone against Mm -hmm. going into book territory I think as long as you provide context then it's their decision you know yeah Yeah. I've just found that sometimes like in the redheads book for the Facebook group for example then people are like do not read this and I'm like you know what it's like everyone's prerogative and someone might take away something that they would never have realized that they could have learned and grown from and I feel like that's very important yeah no if someone asked me if they should read the book I would say like I would give them like a Uh, blanket like this is what it's about like if you're if you want to know about it like whatever read it I would I just like if someone was asking me for like a recommendation list Uh, I just don't know I just just don't know that it'd be like at the top (laughs) okay I think that's fair Bex what was your overall opinion 
It's interesting because similar to Dana's description of a book hangover, thinking days after about the content, etc., that for me didn't resonate as this was a, a good read for me. I actually took it as the opposite, that it really affected me. And for that reason, it wasn't my favorite. I think while I was reading it, it was very overwhelming. I was distraught and I was upset and... It was so heavy that I was just like, oh my God, why am I reading this? Like, it was overwhelming yeah. me. However, in the days after, I was thinking about a lot of the questions that it raised and how it wasn't so black and white. Like, at first when I was reading it, I was like, this is unfortunately just a book about abuse. And like, and then even th- just thinking about kind of like what we were going to speak about today, et cetera, I was like, wow, there are so many conversation topics about consent, about responsibility, about just the ambiguity around this topic and for that reason I think that it's a good book worth discussing and I am happy that it's a book club option because we can discuss it and unpack it together versus just reading it and moving on yeah totally totally and it's a book that I never would have read if not for the book club, which is what we're seeking to do here is, you know, change it up. It's good that we juxtapose my picks immediately with snitches. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. You guys, you have a lovely light book coming your way. Wow. I can't wait for that too, but I, but, but this was good too. Okay. So before we get into it, I just want to give a little programming update because the themes section of this podcast (laughs) has been cut. (laughs) Bye. She's gone. We'll miss her. Yeah. So I feel as though it wound up being repetitive. We would talk about something in themes and then answer it in questions. And I just didn't like that the segment didn't have that much structure to it. So trying something different this episode, let us know what you think. But we're just going to jump right into questions because we have a lot of great DBQs and we got so many redhead questions. I couldn't even fit them all in and we have so many. So I think between all the questions, we will really cover the meat of this book. Fabulous. Today's episode of the Redheads Book Club is brought to you by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. Honestly, right now, these are tough times on my mental health personally, and BetterHelp has just been so fabulous in helping me communicate with a counselor and get any of the resources that I need that might help me feel better, and get better help. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit betterhelp.com book. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. So there's a special offer for the Redheads listeners to get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com book. I highly recommend BetterHelp. These are unprecedented times and we could all use a little help. So let's get right into it with DBQs. First up, Vanessa is underage when she first has sex with Strain, but believes that she consented and wanted his attentions. Where do you see the line that separates consent and rape in this situation? If Vanessa had been 18 at the start of their relationship, would this change your perception? Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of questions there. The first one being, where do you see the line that separates consent and rape in this situation? I just feel like the age of consent is a law for a reason. Yeah. Like, it's like, even at 15, she genuinely might 
have thought then that that was what you wanted but like your brain really isn't fully developed enough to understand what's going on to understand that there's an age difference and like what that how that might affect you in the long run so like the eight like the age of consent is there to protect you because like you, while you might think you know yourself like you're not there yet you know yeah it was interesting in her therapy session when she was explaining that she quote knew that when she was like, I wasn't a victim, I understand why someone might have thought I was because my brain wasn't developed, et cetera. But I agree with you. And also what like is equally important is how old he was. Yeah. yeah. He was forty two. It's not like he was nineteen, she was right. fifteen, yeah. Exactly. So that played a huge role and the line was very much crossed. Right. Yeah. And also we see how everything that he was doing, grooming her, manipulating her, is really like a textbook predator situation. And so like he knows that he's being predatory mm-hmm. and that it's wrong and that it's inappropriate. And so I agree with Snitch at 15, like you might, your word, your consent doesn't mean the same thing as when you're 18. Like, I think that the, what this book has really shown me is that like those years, 14, 15, 16 are so formative. Mm -hmm. And as the world, we look at some maybe 16 year olds and we see them as young women, but like these are children. And I think this book kind of really highlighted for me another conversation that's been going on in terms of like human trafficking. And even with like the Jeffrey Epstein situation, like a lot of the women that were not women, children, I'm sorry, girls that he abused were this age. And it's like the world wants to see them as older than they are, but at the end of the day, they're children and they don't get that sort of protection even in the book when she says something about um, like the nymphets being ages like nine to 14, he's like, not nine. Like as if, you know, that sort of pedophilia is any different than what he's doing here. Right. You know? Yeah. At the end of the day, she's incredibly impressionable. And I feel like that's a distinction between when you're 18 and when you're not 18, when you're younger, because I feel like you are a little bit more formed, but honestly, like, I don't even think 18 is that appropriate. Yeah, like 18 versus a 42-year-old is still yeah, fucked like, up to me. When yeah. you, when the, the part of the question about if Vanessa had been 18 at the start of this relationship, would that have changed my perception? I actually don't think that 18 is appropriate either. And in my head, I was like, no, that doesn't change it. Like, you can still be forming your opinions and perception of an inappropriate relationship when you're 18 years old. You're still a baby. And you're still in high school. I mean, you can be in college, but you can but be in high school. But even if you're in college, like, you're a freshman. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting how lasting those effects are because it's, like, it's not like she turned 25 and then immediately realized she had been taken advantage of. Like, what happens to you when you're 15 stays with you for life. Yeah, it's like that saying, like, the age you become famous is the age, like, you stay forever. It's like, mm-hmm. I feel like the age that she got abused was the age that she just stayed forever, like, yeah. mentally. Oh yeah. yeah. No, and she and she says that early on in the book. She says sometimes it feels like that's all I'm doing every time I reach out, trying to haunt, to drag him back in time, asking him to tell me again what happened, make me understand it for once and for all because I'm stuck here. I can't move on. And it, that permeates for years after mm-hmm. the fact. And, and I felt like I spent so much of this book waiting for Vanessa to outgrow mm-hmm. like this part of her life and kind of shed the the time strain and really flourish into a writer or a professor. Yeah. And she was wholly unable to do so. And it's so clear why. And I think as a reader, at, at the end of the book, you finally were like, oh, she never was able to flourish because of most likely, I mean, it's hard to say, I don't know every other detail in her life, but like this abuse was crippling, debilitating to her, her growth as a human being. Yeah. Yeah. Did anybody else think though, I might be jumping ahead, that that last chapter was very rushed? 
like getting to it. It's like all of a sudden I feel like we were just at a new Vanessa and I kind of wanted to know a little bit more about how she got there. Well, I kind of liked that note that it ended on where it's like she's not a brand new, all, you know, good to go. It's a process, but the end is really the beginning of that process. Right. And her take making the change that's needed in order to put this more behind her and move forward in a way that doesn't include him at all. Yeah, he actually needed to die for her to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy that he died in the middle of the book. Yeah. And that's what you would think would be the big reveal, but it just sort of is... Just like a fact. Skates along. Mm -hmm. What stuck with me is he, when he started this whole thing, told her he was going to ruin her life. And then her friend, who she did the poetry club with, echoed that. He was like, your life is about to be ruined. Yeah. And it was true. Her life was ruined solely because of him. And it's bizarre that it had been acknowledged by not only her friend, but by him himself. Yeah, but they touched on that as well, that he would acknowledge and kind of yank for sympathy as a device to get her to sort of feel sympathy for him and yeah. I'm gonna ruin your life like please forgive me blah 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 and then like, she all me. of a sudden was the it, the roles were reversed it was so manipulative and therefore she was able to be pulled back in and it was just so backwards all of it yeah so at one point uh Strain tells Vanessa quote it's just my luck that when I finally find my soulmate she's 15 years old How do you interpret Strain expressing moral conflict over Vanessa's youth and concern for her future? Do you think he truly knows that he is doing something wrong or is only worried about the potential consequences? I think it's a little bit of both. Like, he's obviously aware that he's manipulating her, but I think that he's manipulated. Like, he manipulated himself to think that everything that's coming out of his mouth is true and factual. No, I think that he knows that he's doing something wrong and somehow by voicing that and saying it and making her consent in order to like voice Mm -hmm. the blame onto her he's not only doing something so inappropriate but also like so manipulative and he was like always three steps ahead which just indicates even more that it was very much manipulative oh yeah when he filed the original complaint that she had a crush on him in order to like save his back when it came time for her to come forward and get kicked out like he knew exactly what he was doing I don't think there was one part of him that meant it when he said all those things to her besides for the intention to manipulate her that was shocking yeah and even when he said that you know uh, if she came forward, her parents could lose custody of her. Like, he's the adult in the situation. He's He went to Harvard. He's fairly smart. That's not what would have happened. Mm-hmm. So he is using, like, scaring her into staying silent mm-hmm. and not just, like, acting on impulse, but it's a whole orchestrated thing. Oh, yeah. Do you think there's any part of him that is inherently messed up that he feels as though this is okay behavior yes like, do you, like these people who exist are they at all convinced that like this is normal so I think you got glimpses into how messed up he really was a few different times because you know with Vanessa as the narrator a lot of the story she's painting as a romance but when there were a few key moments that to me I was like oh this is fucking fucked like in the beginning when she said when she's explaining their relationship and then says we tried having sex once again when I was like 22 or 24 Mm -hmm. but he couldn't stay hard like yeah and he that's not like then you're then you weren't in love at that point he loved you because you were a child if anything you getting older like if you could even make the case that 
that they yeah. could have really truly been in love. And he sowed those seeds so early on. Like from the very beginning, he told her that she would tire of him and she would move on. And as she got older, she would forget about him. But really the truth was he knew that he would lose interest in her as she got older. So he manipulated that too to be like, no, this is going to be again on you, not me. You'll forget about me. Yeah. yeah. He couldn't like when they went out to dinner before when she invited him back years and years later, he said no and masked it as like he was trying to be quote good in oh, an yeah. effort to protect tend to be normal but really she was too old yeah so I think like there were glimpses like that that showed how really pedophilic he was with the pajamas mm-hmm. oh my god and then the phone call the phone call yeah. oh my god so and I think that he knew that he had it deep down inside of him which is also why I think he got a vasectomy which was yes. a, also a huge question that I want to get into can we get into it let's get into oh, it okay Okay, so when he said that he got a vasectomy, like, that didn't even cross my mind. Like, did it cross your mind? Yes. I oh, think I just it, missed it. Well, it just because it was it. such a, like... I don't know. That scene was so overwhelming. Like, I, I don't know what crossed my mind. Like, I just <laughs> wanted to hide. Yeah. I know. Maybe, yeah, maybe that was it. But then when she was saying that, it obviously crossed her mind. I was just like, that is insane. I mean, she actually didn't even explicitly say it, No, right? no one said it ever, really. It, the The... So the first the impl- time they had The sex. implication is that he knows he doesn't want to have kids because he is a child abuser. Yeah. And he would abuse, he would abuse, abuse those kids. Yeah. Okay, so at oh, first oh I interpreted God. it as like he doesn't want to impregnate these children that he's having sex oh. with and be caught with that oh, lawsuit. Yeah. But then I, I transitioned I to that to be like he has a slight semblance of awareness that if he had a child of his own and ended up in a normal marriage with someone his age, he would molest that child. So he was taking precautions. Both crossed my mind. And they're probably both true. The yes, first I one had that same thought process. didn't cross my mind. But it begs this next question. Do you think that Vanessa was the first student that he pursued in this manner? No. He worked there for 32 years. But maybe she was the first that he succeeded in having sex with. Definitely well, not yeah, the first he, he pursued. Well, Taylor Birch, right? But that was yeah. after her. I think the question is focused on before her because she seems yeah. to think and that like she started this whole thing. I kept waiting for that other shoe to drop throughout the book. I thought that that might be the thing that would show her that he's a monster. I thought maybe someone would have come forward who was before her and yeah. she would, would have realized that he was lying every, when he said that she was the first and the only and her his soulmate and so i i had that feeling the whole time and also if you're getting a vasectomy in your 30s potentially because you don't want to have children because you know that you're a child abuser like you probably have abused oh, children yeah. right 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 that's a, that's mm-hmm. a fabulous absolutely point. i think that one of the most clarifying moments for her in the entire book and there were not many was when he came clean about the the allegations he was under and claimed that he only touched her leg and she was so struck by that because that was the very first moment that she felt something and that she knew something was up and she knew that it wasn't an innocent touch because he had done it to her and it was at that moment that I think she was like oh my god what he is doing to this girl is not nothing yeah and I also think it's evident that he had done this before because the way that he set everything up with Vanessa was you know like textbook you know he knew everything what to say and what to do and to make her feel comfortable in this way or even giving her all the literature like Mm -hmm. he was very methodical methodical and 
and came prepared. He was so methodical that at one point I found myself being manipulated by him. Like when she talked to the other victim and discovered that he had only touched her leg and nothing else, I am embarrassed to admit that I was like, oh, that's it? Like he did so much worse stuff to Vanessa and then caught myself and I was like, no, nothing is okay in terms of his actions. But I did like for a brief second be like, oh, he didn't have sex with her and he had sex with Vanessa. I was relieved for her. Relieved, yeah. But then I was like, oh my God, I'm like thinking like him. Like all I did was this and that just shows his power through the pages. I think also that's something that I noticed in the book is she, Vanessa, was starting to think like him. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. saw it when she was um, in the t- 2017 scenes when she's 32 and she's looking at the teenage girls and kind of looking at them through his eyes. Mm-hmm. And his idea of beauty has become her idea of beauty. And that's really like young girls. And I think she sort of stops herself before ever crossing that line but you can see how the way she sees the world is so warped by the way that he Mm -hmm. sees it yeah Yeah, a hundred percent and that's kind of ties back to you wait and and you're hoping that she's able to kind of pull her life together but she's perpetually seeing the world through this lens of strain Mm -hmm. and his associations with young beauty and like everything just through the lens of teenage girls and that's never going to allow you to thrive as a human being when you're no longer a teenage girl and sort of she became she was in this untenable situation where she had to convince herself that it was a love story in order to not feel the pain Mm -hmm. more pain that would have been associated with the reality of what it actually was Mm -hmm. but by convincing herself that it's a love story she's doing a disservice to herself because that is not the truth and she's not able to move on with her life when she thinks that someone that he is her soulmate right she's so tortured and you see it because in some scenes she has clarity when like that girl was getting accompanied up the elevator in the hotel and she was very reactive to it in a way that showed concern but then later when the receptionist was getting hit on she retracted and was like you're fine he's not actually doing anything so it just shows that dual complexity that she was constantly fighting against of deep down maybe realizing something was off but understanding if she approached that fully then her entire life would be meaningless yeah I agree so Vanessa and Strange share a lot of literature between themselves Lolita becomes sort of the Vanessa's Bible and and the map of their relationship in some way and she uses it to reference or justify or replicate their love in that story. Has anyone here read Lolita? No, 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 I never will. (laughs) No, I haven't read it. I've heard of it. I didn't know. I knew it was about, the term Lolita is now like an adjective, so I kind of knew what it was about, but I did not know it was about child sexual abuse. Mm No, I knew that it was kind of like risque, um, but I didn't realize to the extent. Yeah, no. So I hadn't read it either, but now I feel I think that in a lot of the reviews, this book is kind of called like a modern day Lolita or like some Lolita adjacent reading. Yeah, he used her love for books to get close with her by giving her these texts. But then it was interesting when later on, when she met face to face with another victim who claimed that she was given Lolita too. I was like, oh, he wasn't that creative in picking out their strengths. He did this to everyone, no matter if they had a affinity for literature. And it was so evident the selections that he gave Vanessa or potentially a handful of young girls. It was kind of to take their caliber and understand their temperature for like, how willing are you to engage? Right. Yeah. And that is so messed up. Mm-hmm. So messed like, up. To, to manipulate someone's 
affinity for a topic like English and literature and use it as a way to leverage this this backwards relationship. Yes. Awful. Also, she says at one point, um, the point isn't really whether I like the books. It's more about him giving me different lenses to see myself through. So not only is he using it to maybe take their temperature, but also to show the girls, like if, if read through a certain lens to sort of condone what he's doing, especially with something like Lolita, which, you know, some people think is a love story and others think is a horror story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which also goes to show like what we were talking about the age of 15, like when you're 15, like you're insecure, you don't know yourself yet. So it's like him giving her all, all of this like work to, so he, she could see herself th- through his eyes makes her feel like more confident in turn makes her feel like affectionate towards him just because like she's never had that before and she doesn't feel that way about herself so it's like just another way to manipulate her by using like her insecurities kind of against her and feedback on her poems this is very sexy and it was really the first time she'd heard that terminology associated with herself with her writing so it kind of broke down a barrier yeah and she was so impressionable like taylor got far enough to have her leg touched but then I think she was strong enough in that age to protest whereas Vanessa didn't have any friends she had a low self-esteem she didn't have a great relationship with her parents like she was a prime target for him and it worked in ways that other girls might not and I don't want to use the word fall for because that implies some sort of blame which is not accurate but he just really preyed on the weak yeah he really preyed on the weak and I think Snitch you made a really good point like at 15 you don't know who you are and I think uh, oftentimes Vanessa knows that she doesn't know but doesn't want to admit that and so she falls into this trap of of seeing herself the way that he sees her because she wasn't given the time and space to figure out how she views herself what does she want what does Mm -hmm. she like you know she just automatically is warped by his perception yeah her identity became so intertwined with his that she didn't have room to grow on her own once that happened yeah that actually is a really good point that she never had an opportunity to figure out who she was therefore for the rest of her life she was associated with strain and saw the world through strain Mm -hmm. and that is why i think for a lot of reasons she wasn't able to mature into a functioning human being yeah yeah especially because she couldn't do she couldn't accept what had happened and until you can accept it you can't remedy Mm -hmm. the situation and so I totally agree so in the book we move back and forth in time between Vanessa's teenage years and her present how does Vanessa change throughout the years or not change what does this signify about the lasting effects of her relationship with strain I agree with what you said how she's stuck she's stuck in this time period like I think it's meant to show you that past or present, as we've said now multiple times, that she sees the world through Strain's eyes. And the only way she can maybe break free from that is acknowledging that it was a wrongdoing against her. And she doesn't seem ready to do that. Okay, final question for the DBQs. My Dark Vanessa is a work of fiction, but there are many parallels to the real world. How has this novel affected your understandings of victimhood, agency, and consent? Do you consider Vanessa a victim? Why or why not? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think sometimes victim has a, like a negative connotation, but I think that strain in every way, shape, and form was a predator physically, emotionally, mentally, intellectually, mm-hmm. yeah. and no 15-year-old is equipped to take that on. And so it's funny, in the book she talks about how her friends, like her friends at school or the people who lived on her floor had like, you know, their boring Saturday night or Friday night things going on and like just 
and how she had like all of this like exciting interesting complex stuff going on like, like she was on like this whole other level but it's like when you're 15 you're meant to have those like those whatever those kids were going through like those shitty kid things like mm -hmm. that's what kids are equipped to deal with not the stuff of dealing with the, the emotions of a 42 year old pedophile and also i think that she used their quote-unquote love story as a, a form of armor to convince herself that she was not a victim mm -hmm. so that when people pointed out hey this scenario that you're painting for us and this situation that you're a part of is really is really awful and you should talk about it and you should come forward and tell the world and this and that or you should get help like you are troubled and she's like I'm not a victim because I think she needs to tell herself that to function but all signs point to victim and it's heartbreaking to see that she's not able to wrap her head around it yeah like she it's not her fault in any way like I feel like if she if she says to herself like that she's a victim that's like in some way like something bad happened to her that she allowed to happen but it wasn't the case at all someone took advantage of a situation where one person is in power not even because of their age but as a teacher like teachers are the people that you're able to go to and English being her favorite subject like that is automatically like, supposed to be a safe place for her and then she clearly was not able to kind of like think beyond she was like she like was unable to um think about going to grad school because she just didn't want to be in that situation again she's like I'm done with the teachers I'm done with the men I'm done with the predatory situations and that made total sense to me when she yeah. said that I was like yeah it just sucks that that's the way that she sees the world no, yeah. she actually has a lot of talent and she did nothing with her life and she could have done something super productive yeah, yeah. but the thing that she loved so much was now like a trigger kind poetry of. yeah was you was used and like weaponized mm -hmm. against her like to weaponize the literature like that is so fucked up and that's why he to me he's not a first-time offender yeah and she became just like a master of rationalization and she's so smart smart so, so smart. she would chalk it up to oh well if I wasn't with him then some boy my age would break my heart and how right. would that be any better like she really took every scenario and justified it so that what she was doing was no worse than what she could have been doing in a parallel life I, I totally agree. Okay, now we're going to get into some of the redhead questions because they really cover the arc of the story and we'll talk about some of the specifics. This next segment is brought to you by Book of the Month. Book of the Month is a super popular and fast-growing online book service for readers. Their mission is to promote new and emerging authors and help readers discover books they love. Their team vets hundreds of books each month and gives readers their choice from a curated selection of new and early release titles. So you can spend more time reading and less time researching. You guys know I love Book of the Month. They have the best titles every month, something for everyone. I choose one book each month that I just am so excited to get into. This month, I'll be reading The Night Swim, which is actually about a podcast host. And so I feel as though I can relate. I see that the redheads are always talking about Book of the Month in our Facebook group. And I love to see how much you guys love Book of the Month, too. Book of the Month is risk-free. You can skip any month, any time, and you will not be charged. Plus, they have the best prices for new release fiction. Start today and get your first book for just $9.99 with code BOOKCLUB. So head to bookofthemonth.com and use code BOOKCLUB to get your first book for just $9.99. Again, this month I'm reading The Night Swim. Feel free to read along with me at bookofthemonth.com, code book club. 
First up, Vanessa mentioned she dated another boyfriend in between when her and Strain did not communicate. Why do you think the author chose to leave out discussing her relationship when traveling back in time to get to present day? So there was that guy, Ira, who she had a drink with, and she talks about how at one point she was dating him, but we never, like, experienced their relationship in the present day narrative. Right. Why do you think that was? I wish they did treat it because Me it would have maybe added some additional color that we could have used about her mindset and her life. But I think the reason they might not have is because the takeaway was really supposed to be how much strain impacted her and how her life was so involved with his that adding in a different subplot may have taken away from how much she was deeply, deeply affected by this one singular event. That's fair, but I feel like they still could have done that by showing how strain affected like future relationships. Like her relationship with Ira, I would have liked to have known more just to then again shed light on how strain affected her just like in her life going forward yeah I would have liked to see how she was in a relationship that wasn't strain and also wasn't the professor me too and he seemed to care about her like when they met for a drink and he knew all about strain and he wanted her to get help like I would have liked a window into what she told him how she told him and if she was capable of any semblance of a normal relationship and what I found so interesting was like in the beginning when I was reading it I thought like oh for sure she doesn't talk about this like it's not a thing but she like kind of really spoke about it a lot, like with Henry, the teacher, and she was saying, she obviously did it with Ira, and then when she was saying that, when she would have like blackout sex or whatever, she'd be like, and then the story would come, teacher, sex, this, and I was just like, so she was obviously like so willing to like say it, but then also would kind of like just deny it to herself, but even the story that she told Henry, Henry was literally what happened, yeah. but she was like, oh, it wasn't true. No, I feel well, like- she says it was, he raped me, and then, she says it, it wasn't rape rape. Right. So, yeah, I I think that tracks with how she perceives it. Like, she knows that it was bad, but then she justifies that it, it wasn't as bad as it sounds. But it is bad. And I think it also tracks with the fact that this is her full identity. This is the lens that she sees herself through. So the fact that it comes up a lot in, in random circumstances, in blackout circumstances, in everyday circumstances, makes absolute sense because it's, it's her identity. Like, this is, like, the lens of her life, and it's going to surface it every day yeah I want to talk about Henry because I thought that that was a really interesting place that the book went and something that I wasn't expecting for her to have another sort of impactful relationship with a teacher figure and I kind of struggled between feeling like Henry was a really good resource for her but then also not understanding why he didn't do more right things like one I think he should have shared with his wife what, Absolutely. what the truth was and not confront strain and snitch on Vanessa and, and you know make the situation worse for her, her but then also I couldn't tell maybe because we were seeing it through her lens but it did sort of feel like they were spending a little too much time together for teacher and student and yeah. I don't know if maybe just v- Vanessa's narration is is the way that she sees it or maybe the professor wanted to keep an eye on her and, and yeah they're spending a lot of time together but He's worried about her, and there's absolutely nothing nefarious about the situation, but he just wants to make sure she's doing okay, so if that means spending time together in his office, then that's what they'll do. I just couldn't believe he was reading the blog. The blog. Yeah, I was hoping when he was introduced that he could just be a foil to Strain to show her there are good teachers out there, but then the lines got blurred again, and you were... It wasn't 
as obvious a strain that abuse was occurring, but in some format he was taking a little bit of an advantage of her. And especially when you hear years thereafter, he's sending her weird emails and his wife was his student. You're like disappointed all over again, but to a less or a different kind of complexity. So I think the point was to show that like, even in the most obvious examples, it's abuse, but even in the less obvious examples, it's not always clear where the line is. Yeah, I felt really conflicted yeah. when that she was sharing that storyline because I really wanted him to be like the teacher, hero, yeah. savior. And it wasn't that clear cut. But then I also think that the author does a really good job of like towing this line where it's like the relationship between Vanessa and Strain is inappropriate on all fronts and no world is that okay. But when you shrink the age gap just a little bit and it's Henry and his wife and she's his student and he's a professor, it seems as though the book condoned that relationship. Mm -hmm. Like that was a good relationship. She talked to the other teacher who was like her guidance counselor who only had the best things to say about Strain and and that, yeah. Not not about Strain, about Henry. (laughs) Oh God, about Henry. Except the other guidance counselor wasn't great with Strain either in terms of defending him. Yeah, we need to talk about Browick and the way that they handled the entire situation. Almost like Putting her in front of that classroom, I will never recover. Having her go into the principal's office and ask and talk about whether or not she had a relationship with the teacher while the teacher is sitting right next to her yeah i mean i can't unacceptable overall what do you make of henry's character conflicting i'm conflicted i can't can't give you like a clear answer here i don't think he inflicted the same level of abuse at all upon her that strained it but i think to some degree he showed her that men are pigs and she maybe shouldn't i don't know if i agree with that like she was I, drunk I in his that, office. I wouldn't say that it's a beat. Yeah, but it's not like he was drunk and coming on to her. Like, he read her blog and then brought it up in a way that he wanted her to like, come on to him. The way he brought up the him. blog was not they right. They would flirt. But I feel like they would flirt. Yeah, I He guess. was I like excited when she came to his office drunk. She's like, he's like, I'm flattered that you come to me when you're wasted. And like maybe in another context or world we could pass it off. But he knew she was raped by a teacher. So like he should have conducted more sensitivity towards that by like setting very clear guidelines. Okay, you're right. And I forgot about all that. And for him to to not take a step back and be like, I'm exacerbating this, this these issues that she mm-hmm. clearly is putting forth. I think that's where he is at fault because he could have done more to curtail the situation that he did not do. Yeah. I, I agree with you guys, but then I also feel like him knowing that she was raped by a teacher, so what that means that she can no longer like come to his office hours and have intellectual conversations with him and, and he's going to treat her differently because she's like marked by this experience. Which was the last thing that she always wanted. Which is the last thing that she wanted and not what she deserves either. And so I do, some part of me feels like he wanted to be the example of a good teacher, a teacher that you could have these conversations with, could have a good relationship with, know some personal details about, if you want to call it flirting. I didn't I, I didn't see it as flirting, but maybe I just didn't want to see it that way. But, you know, it doesn't have to cross the line. It maybe was the example he was yeah. trying to set for her. The stuff with the Facebook posts are weird, but, like, I don't know. The gray area, it was a gray area for me until the very last interaction where he admitted to reading her blog, which was only about sexual fantasies about About him. him. Right. That's where he was like, should we talk about it? Yeah. Edging edging her on to. That was where I was like, okay, no longer appropriate at all. Yeah, I forgot about it. I forgot about that. I blocked that out for sure. (laughs) The book moves back and forth between Vanessa's 15-year-old and 30-year-old self. What did you think of this way of telling the story? Why do you think the author decided to chronicle Vanessa's experience in this way? Did you like it? I liked it. 
I unfortunately was sad by it because she had made so little progress in that timeline that it hurt my heart and and it made me just sad because she has made she was so broken by this experience and it was reflected when we shifted to 2017 yeah yeah the book opened with her old talking to him and then flash back to her young and it also opened with her you know um, obsessively checking that Facebook post and I think at first I at least thought that she had posted something to Facebook and she's checking to see the reception you know as people do like it's but no it was so subtextual or not subtextual but so fleeting like when he told her that he actually wasn't going to get fired she mentioned that she had a momentary lapse of like she was disappointed Mm -hmm, momentarily Mm -hmm. and then quickly bounced back into her defensive state so it just highlights what we've been saying how she was so tortured yeah the older Vanessa's story is told in 2017 within the midst of the beginning of the Me Too movement and in the social change and justice context for women on sexual abuse. It's also referenced in the book. Did reading My Dark Vanessa give you a different perspective on the movement and what it stands for? If so, how? If not, why not? That's a really good question. And I think, generally speaking, it gave me a deeper appreciation for what um, victims of sexual abuse go through, especially on this scale and and the ways in which it's so upsetting you know like Mm -hmm. reading these graphic details like I've never really read accounts like this before so it it definitely opened my eyes to like how terrible it can really be but I thought that one part that was like another like kind of moral gray area was when it came to the journalist and their insistence that Vanessa share her story in order to quote empower herself empower others have this community of support that she could foster and at first when I was reading it I assumed that's where it was going to go she was going to share her story Mm -hmm. she was going to empower herself empower others create this community and I was I I kind of liked the decision I actually liked it a lot where she didn't need that in order to move on and and she never spoke publicly and that journalist was so aggressive and heavy-handed and calling her work and I found that to be so inappropriate Mm -hmm. and I was really hoping that the journalist wasn't going to be the one who saved the day when she's like really being way too invasive on a matter that is so deeply personal and I like that the therapist echoed that when she was like do you think I should speak out and the therapist was like absolutely not I think that'd be really damaging to you and the publicity would not proceed with moving forward and Taylor Birch who did reach out and have an engagement with the journalist was negatively impacted by doing so she Mm -hmm. felt like she was not adequately represented in the article and felt like she kind of lost a sense of self by doing so and that it was a byline just a way for the journalist to get a lot of clicks and so she felt abandoned by that in a way and so I felt like I could I could see me too kind of I think it's such a complicated area honestly and I think that like yes we had a glimpse into severe abuse in the form of Vanessa and strain but also less like quote-unquote less severe abuse in the form of Taylor Birch but she was so messed up by it Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. hand on the knee and whatever else may have happened so I think there's a spectrum and that was eye-opening as well that it doesn't have to be heavy-handed abuse for years on end it can be it can be more subtle but still mess you up long term also what I thought was shocking like given that it was like during the me too movement in the book um I thought that Browick's response was shocking because like I feel like in this day and age like you're trying to truly do your best to like 
with every sexual assault allegation. Like, there was so much just, like, proof and evidence there. And, like, everyone, like, had just, like, basically knew about Vanessa and um, Strain and all these things. And, like, even still, even after Strain died, they came out and they were like, we found no proof of sexual misconduct. And it's like, are you kidding? In this climate? Yeah. Yeah. Like, when it happened, when Vanessa was at school, even though it wasn't that long ago, you can say, like, oh, things were different back then. And... Now it felt like this is the time for justice and the fact that there was still no justice. That they're still being so, like, old school, like... It doesn't surprise me at all. But that's what I liked about this book. It's like, it would have been so easy to say, and she shares her story, and everyone supports her. And Browick fired him. And justice is served, and and look at that. But it's so much more complex than that. And while a lot, like, sharing your story is so empowering for some people and and empowers others, and I, I think it's so important... It's also equally important for victims and survivors to have the option to not. Mm -hmm. There's multiple ways that you can spread awareness and support others without necessarily making your Facebook status me too. It's not the only way, and it is an empowering way, and I support those that do it. But I like that Vanessa showed us that it doesn't have to be the only way. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. So speaking of Browick, this reader asks, I want to know your thoughts on the role Browick's school had in Vanessa's abuse. It wasn't until I read the scene where Vanessa is talking to her therapist, Ruby, that I thought maybe the novel was a commentary on how certain systems cover up abuse or make it difficult for victims to come forward. Ruby was shocked and disappointed with how the school handled Vanessa's situation. Can you comment any further? At what times in the novel do we see a failure to report or expose abuse? The whole time? Yeah. The, I mean, the way it all went down when it went down with Strain and, and Vanessa and Jenny was just, like, wrong at every single turn. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand how schools where they're supposed to be, like, places for children to learn and grow and be safe can be so wrong about something yeah. like that. Yeah. Like, sadly, I think that's an unfortunate reality, not just in the book, but widespread that institutions Mm -hmm. are more concerned about upholding their reputation than serving justice so I think that is common I don't know how many schools are forcing girls to stand up in front of their classmates and claim denial of their accusations but I do think that theme of we want to protect ourselves let's cover this up is still happening also was that strange idea do we know? Did we find that out? I don't to know do the press idea. conference? To do the press conference. I don't think that that was his idea. But again, like how traumatizing. Oh my God. Yeah. That was so horrifying. Yeah, that also, was a bad scene. when her mom saw the picture of her in strain and didn't address it. I mean, yeah. I think. That was messed up. That was messed up. But I, I mean, I cannot, I don't want to put blame on her mom because I think that she thought she was doing right by her daughter by not blowing it up even more than it had been blown up. She was going through enough, and she assumed that it was over by being removed from the premise. But still, that was a failure. That was a failure. I did appreciate how the author remedied that towards the end in the conversation Mm -hmm. that she had with her mom. Um, But that's we got some questions from readers about um, their relationship as well. Uh, One redhead wrote, my biggest takeaway from this book as a mom of a nine-year-old girl was a significant frustration and downright anger with Vanessa's mother. I understand wanting to shield her from a trial and publicity, but at the end of the day, she did not protect her daughter from the ongoing hold that strain had had on her life, which contributed to her inability to truly grow up and thrive and move on. On top of the horrifying fact that she enabled him to continue to abuse other girls... 
There is no planet on which I would not A, tell my husband what I found out, and B, involve the authorities to correct the injustice that was perpetrated against my child. All the adults in Vanessa's life failed her, but none worse than her mom. I agree. Yeah. I thought that was so I twisted. Mean, I, I would argue that Strain failed her the most of the adults <laughs> in her life, but yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I hear your argument, and yeah. I agree. And I, I agree with this reader, too. I, I think... It's, it felt, for some reason, it just felt like her parents weren't an option in, in stepping in and helping, you know? Like, I, I never even was, like, feeling tempted for, that, for her to tell them yeah. as if they could have done something. Also, I think that the system of Browick is very intimidating, unfortunately. She described her parents, her dad with his name tag on his shirt that she felt embarrassed by. And, like, it's clear that they grew up, she grew up in rural Maine, and I don't think it was an overly prominent area. And she felt embarrassed even saying that she was a local because she knew that like the f- people that she was at school with were coming from a lot wealthier areas. Anyway, I think that the, I understand that I've, I'm sure their, her parents felt intimidated by the system and thought that they just needed to trust the system because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, like a shiny boarding school. Of course they know how to conduct this appropriately. I'm, of course they have a, a system in place to take care of this. And if this is what they decided, then we'll step back. So I can see how it went down the way it did. But remember when she took the car and went to Strains and like fell asleep there and the mom asked her to pick her milk up from the grocery Mm -hmm. store and she came back and the mom gave her a knowing look and was like, never again. You have to assume she kind of knew where she went and like even then just didn't do anything. That scene was actually really powerful to me because after she says that, Vanessa says, are you going to even ask me where I was? And the mom was like, would you even tell me the truth? You know? Yeah. And I think that that really summed up just the disconnect between the two of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. they both. The and mom I don't didn't know. Want and it. I don't know what what should have been done. All I know is that it's on the adults to protect the children. And there it, was no protection of children. There, the children were not protected. The children were not protected. And you know what's so crazy is that in this in the scene when everything goes down at the boarding school, like it is the kids who are who are trying to do right by Vanessa yeah, yeah. and True. who are speaking up like against the authorities in their lives and saying, "We saw this, and I know what I saw, and that it's not right." Yeah, they and didn't... everyone's trying to tell them they saw something else. Oh, mm-hmm. also, what got me was like when she was talking to Jenny and she found out like he had sent those memos and stuff and she confronted him and he was like it was your idea what are you talking about like completely fucking gaslighting her and she and like that's just not what happened like that it was her idea to like take the fall and all this was like something that she came up with and I was like are you kidding me oh my god that made me so fucking mad yeah let it out snatch okay I have a question for Dana okay well I mean it was a question for all of us but I think only you can answer it with your special set of skills what do you make of the connection Vanessa has to water Throughout the, throughout the, it's a good question. Throughout the book, she references the sound of the ocean in her ears, especially during times with strain. For example, on page 166, quote, they can't hurt us if we both deny. An ocean roars in my ears. And with Vanessa's connection, strain kills himself by drowning in the lake. What is the connection there? Also, when she gets the dog, this is now me speaking, and they go down to the water. I do think that water is a theme. And you know what? In the... Um, there's a cover of the book that was in like the UK and Australia that's different than the cover of the book that we have. And I think that water is on the cover like in her hair. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have you pass this to Dana. 
I honestly didn't even consider water as a theme, so I'm happy that it was brought to our attention because it just makes us think about things. But I would say in terms of how it was reflected in her childhood and it was where she'd go with her dad, that kind of brought her a sense of like protection and safety. But when you juxtapose it with how he killed himself and drowned himself and remembering that water is the source of life, I think it kind of just goes to show that it per- like his actions permeated every aspect of her livelihood. Even when water was supposed to be something that brought her back to her roots, it ended up pulling her again towards strain as evidenced through his death. But do you think that maybe the water saved her by killing him? Ooh. I like that. I like that too. I like, I like that, that too. But I think it no, opened the door for her to create a when new. He was having sex with her because like that's where her mind would go. Oh, ooh, I like that. Yeah. Okay, sweet. Maybe Little. we bring back the theme section. <laughs> well, I never would have chosen water as the theme. See, I, I didn't, didn't, I didn't even cross my mind. I was like, what are you talking about? Okay, uh, next question. This was the first time I felt like a man, quote, asking for permission portrayed itself as a shift of blame. Although Ver- Vanessa verbally consented, it was clearly still very, very wrong and then strain- allowed Strain to make himself feel like he wasn't in the wrong. Do you think this novel is one big reflection on how society treats women? Kind of. Like, there were times when she literally said don't. Like, yeah. she said no, and he did. Yeah. So, like, that is, she did not consent. Also, I feel like consent is is surfaced in, like, some maybe, like, ambigu- ambiguous circumstances between typically adults. Like, I feel like consent doesn't necessarily apply to pedophiles no it does not like when you are 15 years old even if you quote unquote consent like it is not consent Mm. because your age restricts you from being in a place where you can consent to a 42 year old man totally so like for that reason i feel like this question in some way is is null and void because consent doesn't exist at this age. Yeah. yeah, but also... But I think we can still talk about it. I would say Thank that the question. commentary on this being the way that society treats women is... Um, I didn't see it like that. I'd have to think about it. But that's uh, that's not how I saw that's it. That's not how I saw it. And his only intention with asking for consent was not to obtain consent. It was to manipulate her into thinking that she was equal parts responsible for the rape. And had some stake in the game or some power. Yeah. yeah. And of so that she had neither. he could feel better about himself. Yeah. It was all a ploy. Because at one point she did not give consent, as we said. So yeah. he was never asking for it. He was just making her think that she gave it. Totally. Yeah. Okay. How did you feel about the ending? I kind of felt like it wasn't complete and there was no closure for Vanessa. I liked the book but wanted more justice for Vanessa and the girls. What are your thoughts? I mean, we kind of just talked about this, how there was no real justice at the end for Vanessa and the girls and how it's not always that neatly wrapped up in a package with a bow. And I liked the end because it, it was the start of a new chapter for her. And after seeing what she went through over the past 17 years like that's what she deserves and mm-hmm. I liked I thought she, her therapist was fabulous. Yeah. fabulous and the idea of her getting a dog that she doesn't uh, something that is not associated with strain and going back to memories that she had before she met him like these coping mechanisms that take time to to root and it's not an overnight thing like Vanessa is now on the journey of healing mm-hmm. and that's what we wanted for her the whole time was to accept and go through the process 
I read some backlash about the book is that editors wanted her to make it neater and have her be less of a complicated figure in terms of coming to the realization she was a victim, etc. But I agree that that's what made the book good, that she didn't fall prey to those usual conventions in books of making it a neat, nice ending. Like, it's more realistic this way. Yeah, I'm sure this is a more common realization than we're familiar with like I'm sure that there are victims who have this very complicated relationship with their abuser and I don't think it's highlighted very often yeah I agree okay so the final thing is about this controversy surrounding the book because we got a question saying this book has been called controversial and was even dropped by Oprah's book club for a few reasons apparently what about this book do you think is so controversial? So I wanted to bring up, because I know some of you guys don't know about the controversy, and um, I'm sure some of the readers don't know as well. And while I was looking for questions, I, I stumbled upon a bunch of different reviews. And so I kind of just want to talk about what happened with this book, because it was a very, very highly, like she got, this is her first book. This author, she got a seven-figure book deal and it was very exciting this book was coming out Oprah was going to choose it for her March book but in January Oprah chose American Dirt and there's controversy surrounding that book because it's a story about a Mexican family written by a white writer and they did the book club but I think the Oprah's book club felt as though the controversy took away from the dialogue about the book so with My Dark Vanessa before it came out um a author Wendy C. Ortiz tweeted can't wait until February when a white woman's book of fiction that sounds very much like excavation which is her book is lauded Stephen King's stamp of approval is touted etc so people started saying that my dark Vanessa was a copy of this book excavation because there is a similar storyline about a student being abused by a teacher and coming to terms with it later on but apparently that is where the similarities end and so um Oprah's book club dropped the book because I don't think they wanted another controversy on their hands. But then it came out that the books are actually not very similar. The original author who tweeted about her book being similar really meant it more as a commentary, she says, on publishing in general and the people who hold the keys, the gatekeepers in the publishing industry, how they highlight books from white authors and how white authors will similar to American Dirt which I did not read did anyone read that yeah it was amazing Uh controversy aside if you forget about that background it was a really good book right so they're taking lived experiences by minorities and writing about them profiting off of them and then the minorities who experience those things who wrote a book about it too aren't getting that big deal so it became a really big conversation within the publishing world which I found was really interesting but what also was so interesting which I mentioned earlier was that this author, Kate Elizabeth Russell, was being forced sort of to prove that this was a work of nonfiction, and she refused. She refused to do that. The book still did really well, and it debuted on the New York Times bestseller list, but there was so much momentum behind this book, and then there was this controversy. They thought it was going to be similar to American Dirt, but it wasn't, but still, therefore, the book has been marred a bit in controversy. Yeah. Interesting. Because when I was telling my friend that I was reading it, she was like, oh, isn't that the controversial one? And I was like, wow. Like, that's how it's perceived. Yeah, yeah. and I feel like and when, I, we, when we posted that we were reading it, people were like, oh, this book is controversial. I didn't want to read too much about what the controversy was. So when I was reading the book, I'm like, oh, of course it's controversial. Like, these graphic scenes, like, this is so, like, heart-wrenching and I guess also made up. And Claudia and I have this discussion on the show often when it's like when you're telling a story that's really 
like awful, you know, and there are so many awful stories out there. Like why go and make up an awful story, you know, instead of telling a true one. Right. And that's what I thought I was going to feel about this book, but that's not how I feel. Interesting. Especially given that she is, the author has said that this is based on her experiences with older men in general. I think that the fact that the controversy centered around mimicry and copying someone else's work just goes to show how widespread this problem is like yeah it's not unique to anyone this happens all the time and if there's similarities between your two texts it's because girls unfortunately are experiencing this and you should band together maybe yeah also there shouldn't just be one book about this like about a teacher and a student and like sexual abuse like there should be many the same way that there's a million books about like beautiful love stories Mm -hmm. yeah should be yeah there should be many also can it can't the controversy be somewhat negated by the fact that she's been writing this for 20 years? I think that that, that is what's negated it in a lot of ways. That, like, there's proof she was writing on, like, live chat rooms. Like, some of this, like, fan fiction almost um, throughout the years. And there's proof of that. So I think it became less about plagiarism and just an issue on and commentary on the publishing world in general and how they favor white authors. And so I think the conversation turned in that direction but um, very interesting and important nonetheless. Thanks for bringing that to our attention. You're so welcome. So without further ado, it is time for the moral of the story. What do you guys think that that is? Dana, let's start with you. I guess I would say a takeaway is that we tend to believe in a reality that best fits our current happiness, regardless of how true that reality is. Wow, (laughs) that's great. That's not what I, I found, like, that's not what I would have said, but mm-hmm. I think that that is a moral of mm-hmm. the story, and that resonates for sure. Bex? Oh, God. I just think that the moral of the story is you're impressionable, and your life is going to get ruined because of yeah. it. And it's not your fault. And it's not your fault. Yeah, that's- I think the moral of the story is we need to we need to protect our our kids better you know and Mm -hmm. especially those who might to some not look like children but are still children Mm -hmm. you know and but that's also something that I feel like has been coming up a lot in society recently aside from the me too movement just child trafficking and and pedophilia and the people who enable it and allow these things to happen I mean we saw it when and how the cage bird sings like it's a problem that's permeated society for years and years and years and gained ground recently with the me too movement but i think bringing it to light just shows you're right that we need to protect better yeah snitch i mean i don't know what the moral of the story is because there was like no morals in this book like but i guess it's just that it's fucked up yeah yeah you gotta protect the campers you gotta protect the campers (laughs) and love doesn't conquer all no absolutely not and yeah, I mean, just the manipulation. I, I, I don't camp. I, there's no moral to this story. Yeah. It's just like we need to be better at understanding like these sort of situations because we think it's so cut and dry, and like it's really not. Yeah, it's really not on, on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, now it's time for the Hollywood treatment, a little lighter fare. So we don't have that many characters that we need to cast, but we are doing young Vanessa and older Vanessa, not the same actress playing both, because then it would show, then it, it actually would be a commentary that they are the same, that it's the same, that a 15-year-old and a 32-year-old is the same, and it's not. So you're not playing both young and old Vanessa. <laughs> Check. No. Check. no, I am not. <laughs> um, okay, young Vanessa. So I wanted someone 15, um, 
it's hard to like I don't know who like the up-and-coming child stars are but I did a bit of research and I came up with Sadie Sink she is from Stranger Things Mm. and she has red hair and I think she, she would she's exactly like the figure that I was imagining snitch okay mine is so random but 15 year old Bianca Ryan do you remember her from America's Got Talent like when she was 15 yeah that's who I was imagining the whole time okay that's like not super helpful in terms of like if we're gonna make a movie today I understand but there's only so many 15 year old redheads in Hollywood I understand I know I went for Bonnie Wright aka Ginny Weasley when she was a young girl however she's no longer a young girl (laughs) and for that I'm sorry but I just looked up Sadie Sink and I have to say I concur Thank Jackie's you. choices were fabulous. I saw them, and um, I concur, especially on your strain one. That's who I chose because I saw you choose it. Oh, wow. Okay, we'll get there. Dana, who did you have? I went the Harry Potter route as well and did a young Emma Watson. I feel like she's kind of redheaded. Okay, yeah. Also, anyone can dye their hair or wear, wear a wig, so being redheaded was not a prerequisite. But it helped. But it does help. Um, okay, for older Vanessa, I wanted someone who was 32, redheaded, and also looked like Sadie Sink. And I have Karen Gillen. She's from Jumanji. Oh, my God. Wait, same. Is that who you have yes. also? Yes. Oh, wow. I guess she got, she's got the part. But I had a backup, so I'll say her. Okay, no, but I think that shows that she's got the part. Yeah. That's so cool, Karen. You want to know who mine was? Yeah. Do you remember Harper from Wizards of Waverly Place? Yeah, she, she's been on Instagram recently. Yeah, Jennifer Stone. Yeah, she, she She's who I, I imagined oh, as well. Oh, that's really oh, good. that's good. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you. That's really good. I concur. Mm-hmm. I had um, Bella Thorne, but like I wasn't, I wasn't happy with any of my choices. Okay, she's too young, but okay. She's too young, and she... I go with your, with your guys' choices. Yeah. Thanks for letting me come on board. No problem. I did Emma Stone. Is that her name? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Nice. Okay, Strain. Um, in the beginning, while I was reading the book, I was kind of envisioning him as like a John Hamm, but John Hamm is like far too handsome. Yeah, no, I know. And so I did a lot of thinking, and for Strain, I would cast Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. that's a great one. Is kind that, of dark, that, that's, I guess that. that is, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I think that he fits the bill on all fronts. And he would play like older and oldest Strain. Um, I had Jeff Bridges. Ooh, interesting. But he seems so nice yeah, to me. Yeah, I was going to say, he like, seems like a sweetheart. I feel like heart. he has the dark side, ladies. Okay. Do you watch Sorry. Money Heist? Yes. The Professor. Oh, interesting. Okay. I don't even know his real name, but him. Yeah, that's it. I'm, I like where you went for your casting. Thank you. And I appreciate it. And you're improving, which is all that matters. You're improving. I thought you were going to say, like, Justin Bieber for The Professor. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> um, it wouldn't okay. even be the craziest thing that she's done. No, it, it really would not. So that is our recap of My Dark Vanessa. It is now time to rate it. I'm very curious to hear what everyone rates this book. I will go first. I gave this book a four because it was too, like, I didn't love it enough. I didn't, like, I wasn't so excited and enjoying it enough to give it a five, um, but it stuck with me and it resonated and, and that is what I give a four. I think it was so well written. I think it was just a job well done by this author. Like, I you can sense the 20 years of work that went into mm-hmm. this book. So four for me. Dana? I gave it a 4.2 for similar reasons, mostly because I it really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a lasting wow in the ways I felt about books that I'd give a five. So it's a 4.2. Nice. I gave this a three because I spoke about this in the beginning, but the book Hangover that I had 
was not the a pleasant type of hangover, even though I don't think there those exist. But <laughs> it was um, it was just a lot for me, and I didn't enjoy it during my reading. Okay, that's yeah, fair. Yeah, I gave it a, like a 3-4. It just... It, uh, is that a 3.4? 3.4. Okay, it sounded like a 3 slash 4, in which case a 3.5. 3.4. And mainly just because like it's not my kind of book, but I appreciate the fact that like it was so well written. And like you said, like I felt how much thought went into this book. Like, she didn't just decide to write this book one day and just write it, you know? But... I don't know it really affected me I like couldn't get through it I, ha- I had to read like a chapter a day and like that's just not how I love to read same snitch. and it just it was a lot for me so I, yeah okay well our overall redheads reading for my dark Vanessa by Kate Elizabeth Russell is a 3.65 I personally feel like that does not do the book justice but I only rated it a four I don't know it's like what did we give the glass hotel I feel like the glass hotel probably got something similar but like this book is so much better agreed yeah I couldn't put it down I I couldn't put it down either and I actually was like weirdly busy and didn't have that much downtime to be reading it and I was like I want to pick up my book like I want to see oh no I was like fuck I have to finish this book for the redheads oh no I was like waking up and immediately reading before I did anything else no I had to be very selective about the time that I would read it because I knew that it would impact me and kind of be impressionable and like my mood and overall well-being so it was hard to to get through I could not read a ton at a time and yes it was well written I'm not arguing that at all but like my overall sense of this book wasn't as high as some others okay so yeah. that the rating is the rating and I really look forward to hearing what everyone listening thought of the book make sure to comment on our Instagram or go to our Facebook page and share your thoughts because I think that this book is very polarizing and some people like are very moved by it and others are you know have a pit in their stomach and I think I have both so okay well now it is time for the other books that we read this month Dana let's start with you okay I read The Scent Keeper oh I don't know the authors of any of these but you'll find them easily The Scent Keeper was really good I would rate it a 3.7 it kind of has um vibes of Where the Crawdad Sings and The Great Alone if you've read those books it's not as good as Crawdads, but it's similar, and I really, really enjoyed it. I read Long Bright River by Liz Moore. Um, I gave that a three. It was good. It was like a murder mystery detective story, which I'm not really that into, but a good read. I read The Vanishing Half, which has gotten a lot of... So much. I've, yeah. A lot of people actually emailed like wanting us to choose it. I think it was on... Um, a list. A list. Like, I don't know if Reese Witherspoon chose it or it was also a book of the month book. Yeah, it's really popular right now. I don't think m- the my expectations lived up to what everyone was saying, so I gave it a 3.2, but it was good nonetheless. Um, and then I read Evie Drake Starts Over, which Snitch you'd really like. It's like oh. a love story between an ex-baseball player and, like, a widow. And oh, <laughs> Should we go pee for pee? You would love it. It's a romance. Okay. Um, but I hated it, and I gave it a two. <laughs> Why did you read that? Josh's mom recommended it to me, and, like, I definitely got through it quickly, and it was a light, interesting read, but as you can see, my repertoire is more dark, my dark Vanessa, so. Yeah, she also recommended this. So. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. I am go- I, I see why. Josh's mom recommended this book to us though yeah. because it's it, it's a big conversation piece mm-hmm. especially yeah. among literaries like us <laughs> Bex 
You guys, I didn't read any other books Me this neither. month. And I know it was like also a long month, so I'm sorry. I read a lot of The New Yorker and I watched a lot of television. I started the morning show. And you know what? Nice. I can't apologize for it. No, Sometimes like it comes and goes reading, it you know? It comes and it yeah. goes. I read a lot this month. Some really great books I'm excited to share with the class. First, I read The Second Home by Christina Clancy, which I actually wanted to choose as a book for the Redheads a while ago, but my month didn't line up with the month that it was coming out. I rated that a four. I really liked it. I find myself like still thinking about it, and it had some similar themes to this book, but it was much uh, more of a beach read. It was, it was really, really great. Um, Bex, I think you would like that. Yeah, I was just going to say, maybe I'll read it. Then I read Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno-Garcia, which I was so excited to read, but it was not, it was not for me. I think objectively it's a very good book. It's kind of a thriller, like a mystery, and that's usually not my style, but I read through it to see what happens at the end. Like if it's a crazy ending, it makes it all worth it for me. And the end just did not justify reading the whole book. And so while it was so like descriptively beautiful and I could imagine I love the main character, I did not enjoy reading the book. So I gave it a two, which I really hate doing. Then I read The Last Train to Key West by Chanel Clayton and I loved it. I'd seen some people recommend it and I think I just like judged the book based on the title and I was like I don't want to read about Key West (laughs) but it was so good. I guess it was historical fiction but it was also like romance Nicholas Sparks like it was just so good. So if anyone is looking for a good book and and trusts my taste a little bit even though I I feel like I have weird taste. Yeah you do. It's it's a it's diverse. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's not always expected. I think you just like good books. Yeah, yeah, I just, I don't know. I like good characters too, like funny people. And then the next book I read was Beach Read by Emily Henry. Oh, everyone's talking which about Which everyone book. was talking about, which made me not want to read it because I just thought it was going to be like a corny beach read. And in the beginning, I really didn't like it. Like, I didn't like the main character. I didn't like the way that she was talking. But then it just like became so good and funny. There was a few times where I like had to but put the Kindle down so I could finish laughing because oh I was laughing out loud. And so if you like chiclet, this is like the best kind of chiclet. So I gave that a five also. So two fives for me is, is a big month. Yeah. And um, I know sometimes people want, I know I always share like what books I'm reading, but I never really give like the full debrief. So I wait to do that on the redheads. Definitely recommend actually all of those titles. If you like mysteries, I would recommend Mex- Mexican Gothic. I just apparently don't like mysteries. Snitch, have you read 28 Summers? No. I'm reading it now, and you would also I act- love it. What I did read, but like it's annoying don't to me like to even say that I read it I because it was an advanced copy. But I read Majesty, which was the American Royals um, sequel that's coming out in September, but I got an advanced copy because me and Catherine McGee are buddies. And it's a fabulous book, and I've raved about American Royals on this podcast 1,000 times. And yeah, and it's the long-awaited sequel, and I thought it was fabulous, and I just wanted to be out so I can talk about it, and that's exciting. That's I exciting. heard American Royals is on sale in the Kindle store right now. Is it? Did you get so. it? Yeah, no, I, I did. didn't. Should I think I you'd it? actually really enjoy it. It's, it's not like, it's not one of my, you know. Red, books. white, and royal blue? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's actually kind of similar to red, white, and royal blue. Like, I'm oh, not it's even, so, it's what, I, it's what we should have chosen that, that month, <laughs> you know? It's honestly, they're the same thing. No, Jackie. No, they're not. This is about if America was a monarchy and it was like King George Washington and then it's like the Washington royal family and all of that. It's so complex. And <laughs> just don't even. It's okay. not fucking I, Alex. Like, is it I, YA? For I, sure. Is it? Okay. For sure. It's uh, it's probably also like chiclet. Not YA because 
they're not like 15 years old. Oh my God, I'm watching the morning show, as I mentioned, which is why I haven't read this month, and Reese Witherspoon reading YA on the teleprompter, and she calls it Yah Fiction. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is so funny. Oh my God, that's great. Okay, well, if that's all she wrote, Snitch, it is time for you to share your Snitch's choice for next month. Okay, I'm quite excited about this one. I've heard such good things. It has a 4.4 on Goodreads, which wow. is quite high. It's called Bright Side by Kim Holden. It is an inspiring, life-changing story about the power of love in all its forms, having the courage to uh. live life to the fullest and always looking on the bright side. And um, <laughs> it says that it's part of a, a series, but it's not. It's just like the other books are like, you know, the, the other person's POV, the same story, just again. But that is why That's you guys exciting. laughing at me. Well, I think like they're <laughs> I'm laughing at you. I'm like, looking forward to this. And you know what? The numbers don't lie. And according to the numbers of this podcast, the snitches choices mm -hmm. are the most popular. And you are the so, demographic snitch. So you're the demographic. Why are you laughing at me? You didn't answer my question. We're just going from like a really dark sexual. But that was that was the point. Love like, and laughter. We need, we need to switch gears. No, we got so many comments. Like, can we can we yeah. brighten it up next week? So we're literally brightening. We are up brightening it up. I want everyone side. to feel joyful and cheery and like this book says, having the courage to live life to the fullest and always looking on the bright side. Yeah. We I all need, need a yeah. little dose of that. We need yeah. a little courage and we need to be looking on the bright side. So I think that's a great place to end. Thank you guys. Also, by the way, I would like you to know that the <laughs> genres are new adult fiction, not young. New adult, not young adult. Oh, wait, we've evolved. <laughs> uh, that wasn't on purpose. Now I'm upset. Okay. Oh, okay. Well... Thank you everyone for participating, for reading this book, for joining me for the discussion. Thank you to the Redheads for being a part of this community. That is so fabulous. We will see you next month on the first Thursday of the month. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review in the podcast store. Follow us on Instagram and join our Facebook group, The Redheads Book Club. We will see you next month. Bye. 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 Bye.